Welcome to Vote, the podcast. Today, we are going to zoom out and get the lay of the land, talking about the history of voting rights, because you can't fully understand how we got to this moment without knowing a bit about the last 232 years of voting history in this country. We are the Voting Preppers. Kat, can you believe we've already done eight of these episodes? Um, it feels like we've done a hundred episodes in about 25 years because eight weeks is, I mean, the world was such a different place eight weeks ago. I I literally don't even remember it, but here we are. And it's our last big episode before we kick into high gear, both here at the podcast and at our orgs. So starting next week, we're going to cover voting with a lot more urgency. We'll be putting out shorter episodes, still released every Thursday, where we'll be responding more quickly to the news, answering your timely questions about voting, and constantly keeping you updated on the ever-changing 2020 voting landscape. I'm Kat Calvin, co-host of this podcast, yay, and founder and executive director of Spread the Vote. And I'm Andrea Haley, CEO of Vote.org. And if you missed any of our past episodes, not to worry. Our episodes are designed for you to listen and share anytime. We cover everything from vote by mail to voting for incarcerated and returning citizens. If you have a question about voting that we haven't covered on the show, you can email us at votethepodcast at gmail.com or leave a message at 844-472-VOTE. From now to Election Day, we are here to help. For our last full episode, we decided to keep the question in the family. So here's my mom. Hi, I am Lisa Thompson-Sani, and I am Kat's mom. Yay! But... I am also a history buff. I grew up with, uh, I think, all of the men on my father's side, or most, going back to my great-great-grandfather, were involved in the military. My great-grandfather fought in the Civil War as a slave. My grandfather served my um, father. So there's a big history in my family. And Kat has voted since she was in utero. So whether she went to the polls in my tummy, on my shoulder, or sat on my lap while we voted at home, whether it was voting in a survey at school, um, voting for student council, I think it's just so important that people take a voice in their community and be heard. I don't know uh, what's happening now. I don't know how people could take their voting rights Um, and toss them out the window. You have to have a voice. That's who I am. Never going to give up. Always going to give my say at the polls. And I would hope that other people would assume if there's nothing they can do, that's the least they can do, which is absolutely the most they can do. So I would like to know, can you talk a little bit about the history of voting rights? Thanks, Mom. I'm glad that the many, 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 many years that you've been talking to me about voting have finally come to some good. We've touched on the history of voting rights in past episodes, but so much of the way our elections are administered and structured today, and the way citizens are enfranchised to vote, is tied up in our tangled, gnarled voting rights history. Basically, we're going to look back in order to look forward. And today, instead of speaking with a guest, we want to take a look at some of our amazing interviews and really dig into how we got to this moment. So let's begin. It's getting cliche to say, but this election year is honestly unlike anything I have ever seen before. This is not a drill. This is the real thing. 
We get asked questions every day from the press, other organizations, and just regular everyday voters who are confused about what's happening, what's changing, and how to make the biggest impact. And on this show, we've brought on people like Alicia Garza, civil rights activist and co-founder of Black Lives Matter, who helped us unpack a bit about how you can change the system to reflect your values. I don't think that voting is the only option. But I do think that voting has to be a tool in our toolbox that we use to build power. And frankly, I don't like the people who are leading and I don't like the rules that are rigged against my community. And so I got to change the rules. I got to be a part of that change. And I also have to be a part of changing who makes the rules and who refuses to enforce the rules. (laughs) And so that's why elections matter. There have to be consequences. And we talked with politician, lawyer, and voting rights activist Stacey Abrams about how we need to stay vigilant. Elections are opportunities to declare who we intend to be. You cannot solve systemic injustice, systemic racism. You can't dismantle these structures overnight, but we can chip away at them. And more importantly, we can bulldoze the pillars and start to weaken them. And elections are how we do that. And this election is the most efficient election I can imagine. We also talked with Indigenous activist and executive director of Native Organizers Alliance, Judith LeBlanc, about the power of this moment. But this is a moment because of the the impact of the Rona, because of the impact of an incredible magic movement moment in the streets in response to the murder of George Floyd, that we can make great strides in guaranteeing the right to vote in Indian country, but for all people. And don't forget Mark Elias, the man defending the rights of voters all across the country. Now, there are lots of issues facing voters today, but I think they all stem from a lack of a bipartisan commitment that really started to erode uh, with the election of President Obama and then accelerated in dramatic ways with um, the election of Donald Trump. Right now, I alone am involved in more than three dozen lawsuits over voting for this fall in more than a dozen states. So today, in order to understand the social and political moment that we're in, we have to look at the past. And the reality is that in this country, every single demographic except landed white male gentry have had to fight for the right to vote. Now, what does landed white male gentry mean? It means white men who owned property. Voting actually used to be pretty amazing in this country. The political parties brought bands, they served bourbon, white men who owned land showed up and they drank and then they voted and they hung out with their friends and we had really high voter turnout because it was awesome. And it was only white men who weren't really doing their own work anyway, so we're voting. (sighs) But for every other group, it's been a struggle. It wasn't until 1869 that Congress passed the 15th Amendment, which on paper, legally, gave black men the right to vote. However, it would be literally almost 100 years later before black men were practically able to vote. And then it took 50 more years for women to gain the right to vote when the 19th Amendment was passed, which we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of this year. That extraordinary achievement uh, was... Great for white women who were suddenly able to vote, but it was another 50 years before black women were able to actually practically vote. And it took even longer for other women of color, like Native American women, to be able to win their actual practical right to vote. 
1940, only 3% of eligible blacks in the South were even registered to vote. And Jim Crow laws like poll taxes and literacy tests and grandfather clauses were implemented in order to keep those numbers as low as possible. In 1965, after an extraordinary, strategic, brilliant campaign that we know as the Civil Rights Movement, President Johnson finally signed the Voting Rights Act. And what the Voting Rights Act did was that it created legal teeth so that when states tried to discriminate and create barriers to voting based on racial and ethnic discrimination, the federal government had the power to stop it. And that is what finally ended Jim Crow laws. And that is what finally allowed Black men and women almost 100 years after the 15th Amendment to actually be able to just walk into the polls and vote without risking their lives, without having to pay a poll tax, without having a million different reasons that they were turned away. It was 1965. And then, hurrah, voter suppression is over. Everything has been solved. We have a Voting Rights Act. Everybody go home. Right? Nope. What actually? <laughs> no, that's not how history works. Uh, we had incredible forward momentum. And admittedly, we all got a little comfortable because we all believe that once we win a right, that we somehow magically have it forever. And that's just not how democracy works. Several decades later, we saw exactly what happens when you lose the rights that you worked so hard to win. And Mark Elias explained it to us like this. So we had a very, very long history of lack of full franchise. And starting in the mid-1970s, there really became a commitment to expanding the franchise. So you started to see states adopting no-excuse absentee voting. You started to see more vote by mail. You started to see the beginnings of early voting um, uh, and, and the like. And that continued throughout the 80s, the 90s, and I would say even into the early 2000s. I think that what happened is that when um, President Obama ran, then candidate Obama ran in 2008, he put together a coalition of first-time voters, voters of color, women, and young voters. And that, I think, um, galvanized on the the other side a a real question as to whether or not expanding the franchise was such a great idea and i think when donald trump became president that um question that had been sort of looming in the air um i think became answered for most parts of the republican party so i think that's how we got here we obviously did not solve all of the problems around voting in our country and we definitely didn't eliminate many of the sometimes racist barriers that keep people from voting. We know that we have systems that are designed to not include everyone. There isn't a voting system in this country that is really looking at what would it look like to have 80% voter turnout in our country. But now the tide is changing, and we all have to do our best to make sure that democracy represents everyone. As you said, it's only been 55 years since Black women could vote in this country. And one of the issues is that Not all of the stories have been passed down generation of generation. And so sometimes today we don't realize that these rights were just earned and we have to make sure to continue the fight to make sure as many people as possible can vote. We've seen changes across the country that include increase in photo ID requirements, cuts to early voting, and restrictions against voter registration. 
In 2013, the Supreme Court nearly gutted what remained of the enforcement mechanisms in the Voting Rights Act. What this means is that where states, especially states that had a proven history of voter suppression, had to report any changes to the federal government, and the federal government had to then okay those changes or not, now, under the new rules, states can do what they want without reporting it to the federal government. So there isn't any oversight for states running election systems that increase voter suppression and deny access to the ballot box. Whatever state you're listening in right now has issues with voter access and voter suppression. So when we look at our history, we see all the moments that we recognize from TV or from history books, you know, the civil rights movement and the Voting Rights Act and all of these great things. And we don't really understand how they've changed throughout time or how they're still affecting us to this day. So in today, in 2020, we're seeing massive voter suppression, and some of it is old-school tactics like closing polling places or putting cop cars outside of polling places in black and brown neighborhoods. But we're also seeing new practices like the destabilization of the entire United States postal system or digital messaging that is so confusing and misleading that it stops people from ever even getting to the polls. We are seeing voter suppression on all terms, by all sides, and this is by design. It is in the interests of people in power in all parties to keep new people from voting because new people want new ideas and they want new representation. And that is not something that helps people who have been in power for a very long time. We've seen in 2013 and in every year since the intentional rollback of the rights that we've worked incredibly hard for. And this November, we are going to see massive voter suppression impact us at the polls. And the difference is that this year we know it's coming. We see it's coming. And there are things we can do to make sure that we don't let it stop us or anyone in our communities from voting. After the break, we'll talk about two more voter suppression tactics that you may have heard about, purging and gerrymandering, and we'll give you some things you can do right now to get us on the right track for Election Day. Vote the Pod is brought to you by us, just us, still us. Still just us. Uh, and you can go to spreadthevote.org to donate, hint, hint, or volunteer, or I don't know, pick up some super sexy voter swag. Who am I? I'm not your mom. I'm just making suggestions. It's also brought to you by vote.org because we care that much about voting and voting rights in this country. We are solely dedicated to getting as many people as possible to vote. And we've been bringing you weeks of information, answering your questions, and trying to help folks understand the moment we're in. If you want to support us and our work, you can go online and check out vote.org and register to vote, donate, and share the information with your friends. Also, I'd like to make a small plug for a new podcast by Friend of the Pod, The Electorate. She and the amazing Dame Magazine have a new podcast called The Gatekeepers. It's all about the history of segregation and swimming pools in America. It's really, really interesting. I, I loved listening to the first episode. Um, and I, you can get it wherever you can get your podcasts. So after you listen to ours, listen to theirs. And before you go, we want to talk to you about a couple other issues related to 1965 Voting Rights Act. As we said before, the 2013 Supreme Court decision effectively gutted parts of the Voting Rights Act. 
And it meant that the DOJ would no longer review changes to voting laws to make sure that they weren't discriminatory in key states. One of the old school practices that's been on the rise since 2013 is, unfortunately, something called voter purging. Now I'm going to kick it to Kat. Kat, what is voter purging? Ugh, it's the worst. So in simple terms, voter purging is when the state kicks individuals off of the voter rolls. And the voter rolls is just the list of people who are registered to vote in a state. It's a really effective tool of voter suppression because say you're registered to vote and maybe you haven't voted in like the last two elections, but you're totally planning on voting in this one. And so you like on election day, hop on over to your local polling place and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to vote. And then you go there and your name's not on the list because the state purged you like a movie and then like sure maybe they sent a letter but you didn't get it because who even reads the mail it's 2020 and you had no idea and if you live in a state that doesn't have voter registrations on the same day then you're just you're you're screwed you can't vote you can't vote until the next election it's terrible it happens a lot it happens to people all over the country and it's something that we really saw increase after that 2013 supreme court decision in fact, do 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 alert if you live in Ohio right now at this second, there is a list of 21,000 people who they're purging. So Google it, find it on the interwebs. You know how to do a Goog. I don't have to tell you how to do a Goog. Find the list, see if your name's on it, check, make sure that you and everybody you know is not being purged, and then just make your regular Sunday activity check in to make sure that you're registered to vote. It could be part of your Sunday self-care thing. Go on the website and check. Another tool in the voter suppression arsenal is gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is the act of manipulating the boundaries of community to favor one party, meaning that politicians get to pick which voters can vote for them versus voters picking their politicians. By changing the boundaries of a community, one party can manipulate the outcome to their advantage. And that's how we get districts that don't make any sense, that literally choose their own voters and have these winding maps that are totally crazy. Don't believe me? Google what are the worst gerrymandered districts in America and look at the maps for yourselves. So where do we go from here? First, this November... Vote. Vote like our democracy depends on it. Vote for the people who clearly have a plan to restore voting rights in this country. Vote for the people who believe all people eligible to vote should vote and that a healthy democracy depends on everyone, not just the people most likely to get their party elected. And then get involved. There are many movements and organizations focused solely on the preservation and policy around voting rights. You can donate and volunteer with organizations like Vote.org who educate and lobby for voting rights in this country. And you can tell your friends, if you have a friend who is on the fence about voting or who feels like their vote won't make a difference, remind them of the long history and legacy of voting rights activism in this country. Or if history doesn't get it, just remind them that if you don't vote, you don't have a say in what goes on in your local community. You won't have a say in what happens to your family and your friends and your friends of friends. And to keep and preserve that right for the next generation, the right to vote, we need everyone to get involved, to become educated, and to vote! 
we want to leave you with some real stuff that you can do. And as we release this, it's the third day of September 2020, and there's plenty you can and should do right this minute. First of all, y'all, fill out the census if you haven't already. It seriously takes like five to eight minutes, and it's very, very important. Fill out the census. Call everybody you've ever met. Tell them to fill out the census, too. The census helps determine your community's federal funding, which means that it determines uh, where communities need new schools, new clinics, new roads, services for families, older adults, and children. And the census's results are used to adjust or redraw electoral districts based on where populations have increased or decreased. So, again, your community's participation in the census is directly tied back to our favorite subject, voting. Secondly... If you can, become a poll worker. You can go to vote.org today, scroll down to the bottom, and there's a little button that says volunteer to be a poll worker. Do it. Click on it. Do it now. It will help guarantee as many polling places as possible can stay open this November. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, make sure your friends and family are registered to vote. If you are a member of a church, a local organization, a club, ask if you can come speak. Make a plug for voting and sign up your friends and neighbors to vote. Do like Stacey Abrams said and be your community voting expert. Post about it on social media. Host a ballot party. Spread the Vote is holding trainings to teach you how to host ballot parties. So go to lastelection.org and sign up. Make it fun and easy for everybody you know. And keep reminding them all the way through election day. Be super annoying. You have my permission. Be as annoying as possible. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be answering your biggest and most pressing voting questions all the way until the election. To learn more about what's happening at vote.org, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to learn more about Spread the Vote, visit us at our website, spreadthevote.org, or at Spread the Vote US on all the socials, and sign up to volunteer or donate and support our work. If you have a question that you want us to address on the show, write us at votethepodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a message at 844-472-VOTE. To find out more about the show, including about upcoming episodes, follow us on Instagram at votethepod, and subscribe. And you guys... Leave us a review. We love your reviews. We get so excited. We celebrate. We show our moms. Leave us a review, please. Have a good day.